This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, The Sixth Sense, Season 2, Episodes 11 and 12. Do you believe I really saw those terrible things? I believe it's possible. How can that be? We're not sure. A sixth sense that turns itself on sometimes. It's not as unusual as you think. You said that it could be a premonition. Yes. Of what, my death? Usually psychic visions are a distortion of reality. I mean, the true meaning is obscure. Well, maybe just talking about it like this will help. Keep it from happening again. Maybe. Welcome to Continuing Drag, the podcast in the eye of the hurricane. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'll tell you what's real. I was really bummed. That uh, that the show went back to its original format. <laughs> I warned you. I warned you it was going back. I know. I know that's what this show is. I just think yeah, for anyone who listened to the last podcast, they had like, oh, they had, we had listened to two episodes that were uh, sort of out of the ordinary, and it's just such a stronger show. It's a stronger show with with uh, Gary Collins just being like, hey, anyways, I don't have time to I don't have time to be in this show, so I'm just gonna watch it with you, and we'll talk about it after. Well, Jordan, that's a good lead-in because we've skipped a whole bunch of episodes mm-hmm. of Sixth Sense, as we do on our best ever run. You can't watch them all. It's impossible. It would make you insane and probably be <laughs> insane as well. <laughs> yeah, it, they'd be a lot. But because we've skipped so many, we've missed these episodes with some great titles. And I'm going to give you some episode titles, and you're going to tell me what you think the summary should be. So may- maybe they'll be good episodes once you think of a summary for them. Okay, sure. So here's one of the episode titles that we missed, Jordan. Lady, lady, take my life. <laughs> okay. Well, I have to say, we, I've said this probably on every single podcast we've recorded about this show. I don't really like this show very much. I think it's meh at best. But the the uh, uh, the episode titles, A+, plus, across the board, they're always great. So this one's called, sorry, Lady, Lady what? Take my life. Lady, lady, take my life. So surprisingly, um, Lady, lady is about two women and uh what they don't realize <laughs> because there's two ladies in the title yeah there's two ladies yeah yeah well, hold on hold on <laughs> it's, it gets better it's about two women who uh don't realize their um sisters that have been estranged since birth they were separated at birth and through some esp they're both seeing visions of the other one and uh what's the rest of the title take my life <laughs> Take my life. And so um, they're seeing <laughs> visions of one another. I know I'm already running out of steam. You're, you're really and... focused on the lady, lady part. <laughs> and you have ignored. You asked me to repeat the second part twice. <laughs> so what ends up happening is not only uh, the one woman thinks that she sees this murder in a vision and she thinks it's uh, she's going to be murdered. But then old uh, Dr. Michael Rhodes comes in and what they figure out is it's not her. She's seeing an image of her sister that she didn't know she had. And it's actually her getting murdered. That's what the episode's about. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I thought maybe it was like an ESP version of like Fifty Shades of Grey where it gets a little too, uh, <laughs> goes a little too far. No, no, no. But I'll tell you one thing. You guarantee it's going to be in the episode. A lot of shots of uh, Dr. Michael Rhodes just uh, thinking. He's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. There's a lot of that. Every episode. He's trying to tune into his ESP, Jordan. That's right. That's right. Well, the episode was actually about a group of telepathic killers that are hunted by Dr. Rhodes. <laughs> That's better. That's a better episode. All right. Next next title, Jordan. The Man Who Died at 3 and 9. The Man Who Died at 3 and 9. So uh, this is an, another interesting one. And so this starts with a guy, um, much like um, uh, that classic Simpsons episode, uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns? Um, and a guy is shot, and he dies, and he falls on top of a, um, a large clock, and his fingers are pointing to three and nine. Ooh. And, uh, and, uh, and Dr. Michael Rhodes, uh, despite what the police say, is pretty sure that is a sign. And so um, uh, somehow that has something to do with the killer. Great. The great, three and the great. nine. It's actually about a politician who is targeted by a telepathic assassin. (laughs) 
that's also pretty good remember we watched that one thing about the politician who was also a werewolf he was like a dog sometimes when he took his necklace off oh yeah what was that i don't even remember what i don't called. remember it was good though it was good whatever it was it was good all right jordan next episode coffin coffin in the sky <laughs> um so there's two one... ladies they're each in their own coffin <laughs> <laughs> now hold on is, is one coffin spelled C-O-F-F-I-N and the other's C-O-U-G-H? It is not the case, but that would be <laughs> very funny. A coughing coffin in the sky. <laughs> no, this is about um, what... It, it's a weird episode. It's actually a, a Halloween special. And Dr. Michael Rhodes thinks uh, these murders that are happening are due to a vampire. So mm. he's trying to um, he's trying to solve the case with his ESP by, again, sitting around thinking about things. Um, he checks his mail at one point by by just cyclically looking at it, and so that's what it's the coffin, coffin. But it ends up being um, just the mailman. <laughs> okay, okay. It makes no, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Most like these episodes, you're like, oh, disappointing. It is actually about uh, Doctor Rhodes takes a flight and must interpret a woman's dream of all the passengers in coffins. <laughs> Mine's better. It's a vampire episode. <laughs> it was the mailman. All right, Jordan. One more. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll do two more. What do you think? You want one more or two more? Let's do two. All right. Next one is Once Upon a Chilling. <laughs> oh, this is another good one. So Michael Rhodes gets a call way up north. It's in Alaska. See, he goes up, and uh, much like the thing, something has happened, and the uh, people have are disappeared. The scientists that were up there are doing a test, and so he now uh, needs to figure out where they went but as he's doing that weird things start happening back to him and so while the um uh it seems like it's maybe a poltergeist or something else is attacking him he needs to solve the crime of what happened to these dead scientists or missing scientists also while while things are supernatural elements are happening to him that was that's pretty good i like that episode yeah it turns out it's a bunch of monkeys (laughs) yes that's right it's a bunch of monkeys named like caesar and like and like napoleon <laughs> it's actually about a cryogenics employee who has visions of her frozen dead boss <laughs> mine's better yours is better all right and finally jordan yeah yeah the last title i'm gonna give you and scream by the light of the moon the moon wow that's a good one and scream by the light of the moon the moon i don't know help me with this one what do you think do you think? Do you think this is a? Um, All right. See, because the first thing I think is moon. I think werewolf, but maybe that's too obvious. No, I think what it is is there are two moons now, and there's these two ladies. And they've got these two coffins. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two twin sisters, and they both wake up in a coffin, right? And they're like, "What's happening?" Oh, a doubles that's... coffin, classic doubles coffin. <laughs> it's classic doubles coffin, and uh, um, I don't know. They're screaming at the moon. I don't know. This, that's a tough title. It's a tough title. Uh, you'll be very disappointed to hear it's about a woman who is tormented by visions in her childhood home. Oh, we've seen that. <laughs> Great title. T- terrible synopsis. I mean, that's the summary for all of the six cents. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing about this show is it, we, we don't. And, I, I'll, and I'm, I just get ready because I'm going to crap on this show because I just I find it. It just doesn't really work. Buckle but up, there's, everybody. There's, but there's elements at the show that I really want it to. Like, I'm rooting for the show, but it just seems like a lot of times things just wilt by the end. They're like, we're going to set this up. They're like, ah, I don't know. Who cares? It resolved. And you're like, oh, thanks for taking me. It's like, you know, it's like that old joke. It's like taking you on like a, like a six-mile hike to show someone something, and it's just a poop at the end. You're like, great. Thanks for taking me on this journey. You know? that's, that's an old joke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's an old joke. <laughs> it may not be an old joke. <laughs> It's a little wives' tale is what I'm saying. All right, all right. Well, let's get into it. Here's the IMDb <laughs> summary for Season 2, Episode 11, Gallows in the Wind. Yeah. A woman has visions of death during a hurricane. Yeah. This episode has the same vision 8 million times. And I'll tell you it was something that... Um, this is only really for people who, who <laughs> listen every week, and I don't know why you would. But um, when we did Swamp Thing not too long ago, there was an episode that was really dream-based. Do you remember that? Where the grandma was trying to tell uh, the daughter and the grandson and trying to solve this mystery. How could I forget that catchy tune? In the swamp, in the swamp, there's a hole. There's a hole in the hole, and the hole is my will. 
<laughs> exactly. Anyways, I, you're not going to agree with me. That was done better than this. I definitely am not going to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'll tell you, though, um, there's a couple of things that are fun. What's her face? Carrie Evers, who plays Meg Foster in this. I recognize her right away as Evil Lynn from uh, the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe. I recognize her right away. And then um, Owen um, Preston in this is played by Richard Hatch, who is Apollo from uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, good eye, good eye. I didn't catch that at all. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really all we need to say, so we can just wrap up this episode. Okay, great. Perfect. (laughs) Well, it really cold opens on a tour group visiting a rocky ocean view. This is much like your old joke, Jordan, where the tour bus pulls up. And they get out, and it's just like, it's just like an okay view of the ocean. They're like, well, we drove all the way here. I was like, it's a long way to come for this, I feel like. I thought I thought the same thing, because it's like, they would have had to also drive up the coast to see it. So it's not like this is a spectacular view. And I know it's probably like like a stock footage or whatever they're using. But he's like, anyways, was I right, guys? And they're like, yeah, the ocean. And he's like, yep, anyways, that's the tour. And I, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. But the point is, you have two central couples here you have a young woman as i mentioned this uh, carrie evers played by meg foster and she's with this guy named jack preston is that right i think that's who it is sure yeah there there's like a couple and there's an older couple the youngs i think yeah. they're called yeah yeah exactly i mean it's hard to say i i said they're a younger couple but she's quite young and he seems to be about 55 years old <laughs> I would agree. Um, but the point is sort of like there's these two couples on this on this tour. And while they're sort of like it's like he makes this stop to like look at the ocean like you're saying there's nothing to see. And then while the they're tour there, guide, though, I loved his name. Mac. Mac, the tour Mac. guide. <laughs> Mac. He, uh, she, uh, this woman, Carrie, um, sort of wanders off and sees this sort of like stone house structure, like barn type thing. Yeah, yeah. They call it a block house. Block house. I'm not sure what a block house is, but it has a very like rustic rural sort of look to it. And um, she sees, she looks down and immediately starts getting a vision. Um, and the vision is of herself in like this black gown. And it seems to be like beckoning her. So she does what, again, I would never do, which is she walks down to go take a peek. Would you go down if you see yourself like a spectral figure of yourself in a black <laughs> gown going, come this way? I'd be like, no, the opposite direction. <laughs> like, no, thanks. I'm not interested. Yeah, no, thanks. No adventure here. Thank you very much. No, well, she does. And inside she finds her own tombstone <laughs> yeah it's and i have to say i thought this was filmed pretty well like she comes she sees her her tombstone with her name on it was how we first didn't learn her name and then it sort of like goes into this like more vision like there's this sort of like almost swampy smoky uh kind of foggy uh cemetery that she's walking in yeah and, yeah it's a very um, otherworldly sort of sense this is the part i did like about the episode is i thought this mm-hmm. section was fo- photographed really well they put like this lens yeah. on the camera that makes anything kind of white or light colored really bloom so it's got this really weird effect but they've everything on the set of this like swampy graveyard is very dark so really it's just like the woman herself is the only thing that's like glowing in this world and i I thought they did it whoever was shooting it did a nice job of just using like a practical lens to like make it look very uh very weird and unearthly i would agree with you it's it's probably the best part of how this looks however the complaint i would have is that it just feels like it's the same vision. Like, I know they add a, f- a few things here and here, but it's just like, they just keep doing the same thing over and over. And I was like, okay, let let me figure this out. But it's like, bleh, it's just the same image. Anyways, that's me starting. I'll, I'll be nice. So he, she's she sees her uh, headstone, and uh, she sees this weird cloaked figure, sort of like a, an executioner, I guess he sort of looks like. Yeah, got a hood um, and on. He points at... Classic. Yeah, he points to... The, classic he points to the coffin and she looks in it's like an open coffin it's full of water and uh uh she sees an image of herself herself comes out of the water she's like ah that's me dead then she runs back to her husband and they're like and a cold open don't you want to keep watching this yeah 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 cut to a vacation lodge nearby dr rhodes is on vacation at his students family business (laughs) You know, it's funny. I, I missed it at first. I missed, I missed why he was there at first. And then later on the episode, they mentioned it. And I was like, why would he do that? He's like, he's like, that's one of my favorite students. But the, the only thing I really enjoyed from this, other than the absurdity of this show, which is they always have to get him in there. And there always has to be some sort of weird connection that Michael, Dr. Michael has to be there, is that the, the son 
who is his student and his father who runs this like uh, bed and breakfast type establishment, this hotel. There's like this generational like Archie Bunker meathead sort of thing where they just like don't like each other at all. And it did it, it, that made me laugh. That, that was a good part of the episode. His He does not think much of his son's academic work. And I mean, I guess mm-hmm. his son is in psychic studies, so maybe he has a point. <laughs> but he's he's not even, like, subtle about it. He's just like, anyways, my kid's thrown his life away. And the kid's just, like, constantly in the corners, just scowling, looking for his father's approval. Well, I like that he's telling Dr. Rhodes, his son's professor, what a waste of time his degree is, but seems to like Dr. Rhodes for some reason. <laughs> That's true. I never really thought about that. That's funny. Anyway, they hear a, a hurricane is blowing in soon, and that's the moment the tour group pulls up at the lodge. They're, they're coming in. They're trying to find a place to shelter out this hurricane. I, I Honestly, how long was this tour group going for? Like, I don't understand how long they were on the road that they were so desperate they had to just pull over anywhere. But that's what's happening. They're all getting together in this place just to shelter out the storm. They weren't staying there. They just needed a place to stop. Don't you think there was something missing here, though? Because this whole point of this episode is like, they're all sort of stuck in this house as the storm is hitting, like you're saying. Like, it's certainly going to get worse and worse and worse. But don't you think there was something missing in sort of the ratcheting of the tension of these people are stuck in something? Like, I feel like a murder should have happened here. Or maybe that's too Agatha Christie. I don't know. But something should have happened that relied on the the elements of them being stuck in the house and not being able to leave. Like, it didn't really matter at all to the story, did it? Well, they kind of tease at it, but the problem is they never flesh out any of the other... Like, even... Um, what's the main woman? What's her name? The one who's having Carrie. visions? Carrie's, like, boyfriend, husband. He's barely a character. The other couple who's in it, they're barely characters. Max, mm. barely... So, they try to toy with this idea that there's some tension amongst the group, but they don't spend any time developing that at all. So, like... Even when they're supposed to be, like, they're freaked out by, like, the storm and her visions, it never really culminates in anything because, like, no, like, Rhodes is too busy doing road stuff, and that's where the camera's always focused. So, like, there's never any tension of these group of people, like, trapped in an extreme circumstance. That's not what it's about. It's about Rhodes, like, wandering around, you know, as it always is. But but that's a, I think that's a good point because I, to, to what I had said earlier, I think it would be in a stronger show if he wasn't involved, if it was just a story of these people stuck in this house uh, with one person having visions of potentially their death and them dealing with it as characters and learning about them, that's a more interesting episode than Michael Rhodes sitting around trying to solve some sort of mystery that's like bland at best. Well, that's kind of it. It's like this woman still spooked from her encounter with herself in the graveyard. Thank God she stop randomly at this place and the renowned esp expert dr rhodes is there and like (laughs) she obviously quickly has another vision and you know the rules around dr rhodes and the visions are always a little nebulous this time he seems to be able to tag along with her on her visions into the spooky Mm -hmm. graveyard for some reason i I mean i guess it doesn't matter it's all nonsense anyway but you know it changes from episode to episode I think there's a little bit of like physical contact they show in this because a few times they had they had um, the camera seems to link around them holding hands. And I thought, oh, are they trying to tell me something like maybe untoward is going to happen? But let's no, I think they were trying to show there was maybe they were just visually trying to show this connection between the two and how he could also uh, also see the visions. But, but I, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, maybe it's like a physical thing. If he's actually like holding her, he can somehow, you know, uh, transfer those visions or something. Yeah, yeah, and in this time in the vision, it's mostly the same, but uh, the the watery grave they look into this time has roads floating out of it, and the executioner mm-hmm. in the vision now chops down a tree. So, and this is where you're saying it's just like you didn't need roads to be there. Like this woman could have handled all the like explaining her visions, but for whatever reason, she just is laying in bed sleeping the entire episode, and Rhodes comes down and is like, "You'll never guess what I saw upstairs." <laughs> like, why are you here, Doctor Rhodes? Um, yeah, but you know the the rest of everyone else is, is like boarding up the windows for the storm and uh Rhodes is like walking around they're like boarding up windows Rhodes is like hey do you guys know anything about an executioner like do any of you have executioners in your family uh I saw one in a vision I don't know what that who it relates to and everyone's like no I don't know what you're talking about yeah and I think I think at this point she has another vision and it's essentially the same thing but at this time she thinks a um a tree breaks through the window which sort of like breaks her out of her like reverie but then it never actually broke through the window well she had that vision a couple times seeing like the seeing the tree coming down and she's freaked out by it and Rhodes himself is just like 
as a, like I was going to bring this up too, but like at some point he's like, he literally stands in the living room and stares at various items like the fireplace and like window shutters, trying to like figure, trying to, I guess, get a vision off of them. Well, we said this before in um, a previous episode. I think it was the episode where he was on a ranch trying to solve the like the ghost horse sort of thing. And there was a lot of, like, I understand what they're trying to do as a writer showing that it's not an exact science. This is a parapsychological sort of nebulous thing where he's looking for clues and they're not clear because it's in this ESP world. But in a storytelling perspective and as a viewer, it's a little bit frustrating to just see someone wander around to be like, hmm, is this a window important? No. Is this fireplace important? No. What about this fan? Needs dusting. Not important. Like, it's like he goes through these series of things, and I understand why, because he's looking for stuff, and he, and he's he's not getting the information he needs, but, like, I don't care as a viewer. I don't just see that. Walk over to the door that's important and go, hmm, a murder happened here. That's all I want to see. Yeah, we don't need to see him looking for clues vaguely. <laughs> yeah, vague. Well, that's the thing. Looking for clues if they're interesting, but, like, again, the problem with this, and it's, I don't know... I've said this before. I don't know how you solve this. The problem is they don't have any interesting visual representation of him looking at clues. So it's just him, a close-up of his all, all a bit attractive face, but that's it. And it's just him going, hmm. It's like, but that's not a TV show. At any rate, the, the vision she's been having of the execution of cutting down a tree do finally come true when uh, the hurricane's blowing and a, a big tree smashes through the main window and freaks everyone out. Mm-hmm. And I think Rose is just like, at the last second, is like, tree, hurricane, window. And he like dives <laughs> and like saves someone from the tree. It's like, it's a weird yeah. hero moment. It doesn't really work. And anyway, Carrie, she's pretty freaked out by what's happening and... Uh, Rhodes is just like, hey, let me stare into your eyes one more time. We'll go back to the graveyard and see if we can find any more information. And, and this time when they go back to the graveyard, the executioner has set up the uh, eponymous uh, gallows in the wind. For And he's like, come, right. I'm going to – he like waves her over like he's going to hang her. And then they look down and now there's a whole bunch of graves open. And in each one of them from the watery depths of the grave, each of the people in the house sort of rise up, which was good. I actually really liked – the visual of like the people rising good. up in these watery graves. It's kind of like scary. And like, there's one big notable exception though. The only person who doesn't rise out of a watery grave is the like uh, student's dad who runs the Airbnb. And I'm just like, all right, Dr. Rhodes, you solved the mystery, but he can't put it together for like another 30 minutes. It's, it's funny you said that. Cause I thought the exact same thing. Cause I was literally taking note. I'm like, well, there's that person. There's that person, that person. And I'm like, how come they haven't shown the innkeeper? I'm like, well, I guess I know who the executioner is. <laughs> I know. It was it was very annoying. You're just like, all right, well, we've all solved it now, Dr. Rhodes. Please get to it already. And, you know, it takes forever to happen. But coming out of this this new vision, Carrie's freaked out. She announces that everyone in the house is going to die. And the storm's getting worse. The house is shaking. And, like, everyone's just freaked out by the storm, by Carrie's premonition. They're all going to die. And... Um, at that moment, the eye of the storm arrives, so everything suddenly calms down, and the uh, the Airbnb owner, he's just like, listen, this place is, it might collapse, but there's an old stone blockhouse. You might remember from where she saw her tombstone. I think that that's never going to get blown over. It's been there for hundreds of years. It should be fine. And, you know, Carrie's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And everyone's like, nope, we're going. We're all leaving. So they head off to the stone blockhouse, and... Um, they're, they they head out. You know, this is this is where the the episode's supposed to escalate. They're like, oh, they've gone to the place where they shouldn't go. Carrie's insisting they shouldn't, but they they've ended up there basically. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's everyone's freaked out. Is this at the point where like the, she sees another vision and they vote if they should stay or go? Oh yeah, they kind of I forgot about that. They do kind of have a vote after a vision, but like the vote doesn't go anywhere. Like they kind of have a vote, and then the house shakes, and they all just run out. You're right, because that's that's what I wanted to ask you, because they have a vote, and they're like, well, we're going to stay or we're going to go, and then I think, like, half of them are like, well, we're going to stay, we're going to go, and then, like, yeah, lightning strikes, like, let's just all go, and I was like, why is this in the episode? They, they've all just gone. Yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird moment where I was like, oh, is there going to be tension finally in this group over this vote? But it just, it's over so fast, and, like, everyone just leaves, and even, like, he, Carrie doesn't want to go, and Rhodes is like, it's fine, I'll be with you, let's go. I'm like, wait, what? The important thing is... They get there. She shares another vision with Michael, as you said. He can now tag along these visions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she sees all the characters that we've met in this episode. We don't even know their names or anything about them, really. But they're all there at the gallows. She goes up um, in her black gown and pulls the mask off of the executioner. Big surprise. It's the innkeeper guy. Yeah, yeah. And then so she sort of wakes up in real life and she's like, it's you. Uh, you're a, you're the problem. You're going to like kill us all. 
And I was like, is that what the vision meant? I guess, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like, I understood it to be the case that, like, someone here is causing the problem. But in that vision, too, Rhodes sees, like, this time it leaves the cemetery and he sees, like, the interior of the blockhouse that you could see, like, them trying to figure out how to, like, connect things and not really, because they're, like, they show, like, a boarded up window in the blockhouse and then, like, the shadow of the gallows on it and then it disappears and there's, like, bars like a prison on the windows and i'm just like what does this mean and it's mostly just there because they didn't know how to like put the metaphor into the graveyard so when they come out of the vision Rhodes is just like hey i you know what i have a question was this blockhouse an old prison everyone's like we don't know it's hundreds of years old so he just pulls the boards off one of the windows and there's like prison bars and he's like well see that proves that her visions are true we're all gonna die if we stay in this blockhouse yeah, it's you're right. This part was like it felt like they had to like wrap things up really quickly. And you're like, but does this does any of this work? And you're like, I guess so, kind of. Um, I guess my issue a little was sloppy, a little sloppy. It's a little sloppy. And I also has has any of the visions ever worked this way before in the past? Usually, it's like you're seeing reverberations of a murder or or a crime that's happened in the past, and you're and you're seeing bits of them and then piecing together what's happened or someone is trying to tell you something by uh, astroplaning or something. This this seemed weird because it was like, oh, the visions you're seeing are a metaphor. Figure it out. I'm like, what? Why would it be like that? Well, I don't know if they were a metaphor. Like, it felt like all the stuff in the graveyard was just like pointing to there's an executioner who's going to kill them, in this case, with a bad decision, and that was the innkeeper. And then the last second, they're like, Oh, but Rhodes needs one extra vision in order to convince everyone that the vision's true. And so they, they leave the graveyard for the first time ever. All episodes, all we've done is spend our time in that graveyard, cutting down trees, using that as the, like mm-hmm. the explanation. But now we're just seeing like a random shot of a wall in the blockhouse and like, oh, there's a shadow of a gallow on it. Now there's prison. Like it, it didn't match the tone or aesthetic of any of the other previous visions. It was just like there because they're like, we need one last thing to push them over the edge to believe roads i guess i don't like we like i said it's it's a bit sloppy but it does come to my favorite part of the episode it's like everyone now believes they're like oh my god she's right this place is going to collapse how did he know it was a prison and everyone just like runs out of the blockhouse and uh the innkeeper's like you guys are gonna die out there you 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 shouldn't leave you'll die immediately the entire blockhouse collapses onto him murdering him on the spot (laughs) And, and no one seems upset, excuse me, no one seems upset, especially his son. And they just like, like, because they just cut to them all and they're just be like, anyways, that was some pleasantness. I guess, uh, I guess he was the executioner because uh, he was going to cause us all to die. Anyways, ironic, he died. End of episode. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, I will, I, I do like this about it is I think usually in these episodes, nothing really bad ever happens to anybody. So I, I was surprised. When Rhodes goes back and he's like, you got to get out of here, innkeeper. And he's like, no, we'll all die if we leave. And then he immediately is mur- He just immediately crushed to death. And I was just like, did not see that coming at all. Yeah. And that's and that's the episode. So it, it worked out well for everyone. Almost everyone. <laughs> Almost everyone. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll move on, Jordan, to the IMDb summary for season two, episode 12, The Eyes That Wouldn't Die. It's not just my eyes. And it's not just being afraid. It just seems to be everything. I don't know. I thought it was going to be very different. Wonderful to see again. But I've forgotten that when you're blind, you color everything and everybody perfect. I know. When her sight is restored, Kathy sees visions of murder. And I couldn't, when I was watching this, I was trying to think of a movie or TV show where I've seen this before. We've seen episodes where a main character is blind or, you know, a person who is blind sees visions. But I was trying to think, is there a movie where someone has an eye transplant? I didn't want to look it up. I wanted to see if I could remember it myself. But can you remember someone who has an eye transplant and then sees like, sees like a murder? It seems like such a trope. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are. There are definitely murder or there are definitely episodes of TV where someone gets an organ transplant and they see visions. Like, I'm sure there's an X-Files episode where someone gets an organ transplant and, like, sees visions of a murder. I'm positive. It does feel like an X-Files episode. But that is definitely the premise here. It literally starts with Kathy Turner, a formerly blind woman, taking the bandages (laughs) off after her eye surgery. It's all going well. She can see for the first time. And, of course, you know, it's the sixth sense. So she immediately also has an ESP vision. Uh, and the eyes are of the woman 
who was murdered and like her eyes were donated after the murder. This is how she got the eyes. So, so we, she sees a murder essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um, it's like a woman getting ready to, for like a bath sort of thing. And, and it's like quick shots of her getting murdered in the bath. That's the vision she sees. Exactly. Exactly. You know, kind of what you'd expect from an eye transplant murder. It's like, oh, the woman who had these eyes died and now I see her death. Yeah. But hard cut from this to a TV news report <laughs> about her who's, saying like they're like this blind lady got new eyes and now she sees a murder and i'm just like what is how how is this on the news and then cut from that news report to the murderer watching the news (laughs) (laughs) well what i like is that it's they they went for this weird narrative thing and they did but they didn't go all the way in classic fashion of this show which is they were like well there's going to be someone who's going to fill in a few of the blanks narratively for us but it's going to be like sort of like you're like like hard copy or one of those old shows, like sort of like light news where it's all very scandalous. Um, It's that sort of thing where he is, they've gotten some sort of leaked information from the police about this crime case. And then they're extrapolating this other information and sensationalizing it. So the doctor who did the surgery is really irritated about it. The police are really irritated about it, but they go back to it a few times, but it's really to no major effect. Like, I don't know what, what it sort of added to the episode other than just like filling in maybe some, plot holes but i don't even know if it did that it's a it's a real indictment of the news jordan if it bleeds it leads and they're gonna call that out this six cents episode <laughs> see that's the thing sure but but they didn't do that right it's not like they it's not like that came full circle in some way that this it was connected this guy sort of like got his comeuppance or something by like by you know what i mean this the sham journalism but it's not that at all it's just like it's you the just go to only a way times. to get the information to the murderer that he might be caught <laughs> Well, I mean, that is true. It it is a way for the murderer to go, oh wait, they this blind lady has the eyeballs of that woman I killed. She knows what I look like. I better go kill her. Is exactly, basically what exactly. becomes the plot. And they and they cut from that, as you said, to Dr. Rosen, a police detective, visiting uh visiting the blind woman's doctor about the visions and I nearly fell out of my chair laughing so hard. He's cause they're like, they're like, we're investigating the visions. It was just on the news. And he's just like, oh man, I just took off her bandages a couple hours ago and now it's on the news. And I was just like, you, what? this all happened in the space of an afternoon. Yeah. And, and not only that, I, I th- he said he's tired of all the calls, like other reporters and stuff are calling him. So the surgery is finished. It's somehow leaked. She's seen the vision. It's got on the news. And other reporters are following up on that news to the point where he's like, he's done with it already. It's like, this is this is a fast-moving case. Yeah, it's like two hours have passed since he took off the bandages. It's insane. Well, that's that's how that's how things move in the 1970s, apparently. I'm going to say this, though, Jordan, and I, you may not agree with me. In this episode, Dr. Rhodes is here to investigate this case, and he's shown up with mm-hmm. a detective, Woody. And yeah. this detective is a cop. They, they appear to have a good rapport. It's something that I think the show was maybe missing is like Dr. Rhodes and this detective Woody have like a fun time. The detective is just like this, like real, like he believes in Rhodes. It's all that stuff. But, you know, he's just a working stiff doing a job. I believe at some point to the doctor, because uh, Rhodes is like telling the the blind woman's doctor about like the visions and it's and like ESP is real. And the and the blind woman's doctor turns to Detective Wood, uh, Woody and says, you buy this? And the detective says, what do I know? I'm just a cop. You know, it's funny that you say that. I think you're right. I think it would be a better show if every episode, because everyone, look, everyone loves partners. Everyone loves, you know, one one's a little rock and roll, one's a little country. And uh, that could be the show. It's Mulder and Scully, right? It's a cop who's saddled with this psychic investigator for all of his things. He doesn't really buy it, but they keep getting on these special paranormal cases that the police can't solve. That's a better show. It also makes sense why Michael's there, not just like, hey, I'm on vacation to see my favorite student, which is weird. Or you used to be married to my friend and so I'm visiting you on a farm or something. like. It's like there's always these tenuous connections that he why he's showing up because it wouldn't make sense that they would reach out to him. But if he was somehow tangentially invent, uh, uh, connected to the police department or more so was a, you know, somehow actually connected through proxy to to the police department it makes a little bit more sense and i think it would have someone from to bounce uh conversation off of it, as opposed to have him just walk around like look at barn pieces and be like mm, nope that has no psychic energy yeah and this actress playing detective woody is like very charismatic he's very watchable he delivers the lines really well like and there's a good rapport between them in that like 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 i said like 
he's supportive of Dr. Rhodes. Like, he's not, like, immediately skeptical, like, you don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Like, he's just like, eh, you, it works out sometimes when I work with you. But he's also just, like, the entire episode, he's just like, every time Dr. Rhodes screws up, he's like, that's strike one, man. Two more and you're off this case, buddy. Like, he's also just like, I'll kick you to the curb if I have to, Dr. Rhodes. You better deliver some results. Yeah. But the, the really only important information that we get from this, um, by having this lieutenant here, is that um, this murder is actually the fourth in a series. So the reason he's here is because they realize this is essentially a serial killer um, and they want to solve this case before he murders his fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, Dr. Rhodes and this detective, they go visit Kathy in our hospital room. And this is where we meet Tom Bosley, guest star Tom Bosley. Oh, made me laugh. Um, old, uh, what's his name? Cumming- Cunningham. I can't remember what his name in uh, Happy Days was, but uh, Mr. Cunningham anyways. And he plays the creepiest character. Yeah, he's an older man who has been caring for Kathy since her parents died when she was 17. And he's there reminding Kathy that she promised to marry him when she got his her eyesight back. And they they uh, they sort of imply earlier on and, and then explicitly at the end of the episode, she doesn't I, she didn't really know how old he was or hadn't really realized what that means until she saw him because she's going to get her eyes back and then realize he's more than 20 years her senior. Um, so regardless of how kind he may be, and they don't really give any implication that he's actually intending to be creepy, whether he, you know, whether that inherently is or not, um, he doesn't seem like he has any nefarious intentions is what I should say. Um, she's just like, well, this is weird now because I said I was going to marry this older chubby guy i like this part about it actually because you know it's pretty frequent on shows of this era it's not like it wouldn't be unusual for us to see a couple with such a huge age gap in the 60s or 70s show but like they 100 percent acknowledge that it's weird like kathy when she she talks to Rhodes later she's just like listen i I, he's been very kind to me and like you know i i felt like i had romantic feelings to him but like i was very isolated like that's basically what she implies and she's like i got my eyesight back and i'm suddenly realizing i'm just like it's so weird like it like she's like i have clearly been groomed by this man she doesn't say it in those words but like the show full-on is just like you know what's happening here is not correct this is messed up and like the show like i was shocked to see like i can't believe the show is acknowledging this yes and we'll talk about this at the end though that I would agree with you. They acknowledge it and sort of bring it up and then, but then just let it hang there. Yeah. They don't really, there's no, there's no real conclusive evidence about it. It does feel like maybe, maybe they don't, they don't for sure one way or the other, like end that relationship though. It does imply that maybe it doesn't go forward, but it is, it's, it's, it definitely was interesting. I hadn't expected the show to like indulge in that kind of like social commentary though. So, Anyways, we see Michael goes to see her. He talks to her a bit. He sees as soon as he sees her, he gets like visions, and it's of her like laying in bed, right? Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not really sure. Like, here's the thing: is he's there, and he knows there. He he knows she had this vision, and he wants to find out who the killer is. And he's like, you know, with all this press coverage, it's probably going to drag the killer back out. He's going to be attracted to coming to Kathy, and he's like, if Kathy will just uh, submit to like having another psychic vision with him. He can like pop in there, help her see his face perhaps and go mm-hmm. and go forward from that. But Kathy's just not that interested. She's like, I don't really want to experience that again. And like her doctor's just like, she can't be under that kind of stress. She'll go blind again if that happens. Like those eyes are new and that kind of like stress could cause problems medically for her. And there's a real pushback on Dr. Rhodes to like, he wants this, but no one else does. I like this. And they keep going to the doctor and the, the doctor, other doctor, not Dr. Michael Rhodes, the eye doctor, uh, they keep going to him. And he's my favorite character because he just push back, pushes back so hard. And at one point, like there's there's several scenes of Dr. Michael coming and trying to convince him of stuff. And he just, as you said, he's just like, all I care about is the patient. You guys just keep pushing this stuff. And at one, this is like the scene where I think Michael comes to see her and is like, we should do something. She's in danger. I think something's going to happen to her. And the doctor's like, prove it to me. Like, like she's it's, she's a patient she's recovering prove me he's like i can't prove anything like i'm a i'm an esp investigator he's like give me some proof and dr michael's like yeah there isn't any he's like well then get the hell out of my office and it's like <laughs> he just keeps coming back and back and it's just like and it's like my, dr michael's like but i suck man i can't i can't show you anything and, and i want to be like but this is a tv show you should be able to show something you should have some sort of tangent if you're an investigator you should have still be able to extrapolate the information you're seeing into something that would convince someone but dr michael's just like i felt something i'm like you suck dr michael 
Well, so. that's the thing. In this episode, too, he doesn't even... He has very little ESP until the very end. Like, he's just there to, like, yeah. convince someone else to, like, let him get them back to Vision Town. But this does, <laughs> in the end, bring the killer out, as predicted. He he sneaks mm-hmm. into the hospital at night. He's come he's come to get Kathy. Um, but he's, as, he, as he's at Kathy's hospital door, uh, a nurse catches him. So the killer drags the nurse into an elevator and murders her instead. Yeah, yeah. And then I think she, like, whispers... Um, through her like dying breath or through her astro planning or whatever she's like 365 365 yeah yeah that's just it Kathy sees the murder happening she starts having a vision of the murder that's currently happening in the elevator next to her uh, her room Dr. Rhodes runs in when she's screaming and he he runs off and he's just like oh I, be- I better track down uh, I better track down this nurse is getting murdered according to her and like when he finds her she's already dead and like yeah her, her the like the her final thoughts leaving this dying woman's mind or like the same number as the uh room that kathy's in um but i wanted to point something out jordan and i don't know if you felt this way i you know i maybe i get hung up on the rules of this show too much <laughs> what we see at the start is that kathy got new eyes and with those new eyes she has seen through the eyes of the woman who died her or the woman's murder right that makes perfect i know sense. exactly what you're gonna say very normal why is she now seeing other murders this man's committing like that's like if it were the murderer's eyeballs and somehow he was still walking around murdering people. I don't know how that would work exactly. Like he, she got one eye or something. But that's you're not right. What's it doesn't actually work. No, no, you're right. It, they do set it up that like you go, okay, I'm, I'm in. I buy it. Like you get someone's eyeballs, you can see their last, the last impressions that would would have they would have seen. Sure, but you're right. They sort of then go, oh, she also has um. Uh, connection to esp which i think is what they've basically done through all the episodes is that certain people just have heightened esp which i suppose you could um jam into this to make it fit that she has that awareness or that tendency and it was magnified by getting those eyeballs of the woman that was murdered maybe that's a way to explain it but i think you're right i think the rules just are bent yeah, it was just like, I get it. They need to move the four, episode forward and have her, this woman in danger and also have visions. But it's just like, it doesn't really connect. Like, if it's based on the eyeballs, there's no reason to. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We got on to a scene which was, to me, very, very funny. Is that in her earlier visions of the original murder, the one who of the woman whose eyeball she has, she had noticed the woman, as she's getting ready, drop an earring behind the sink mm-hmm. in her bathroom. And Rhodes is just like... We, we gotta go, uh, police detective uh, Woody. We gotta go there, and we gotta find that. Ne- we gotta find that earring. So we cut to that thing. The police are tearing apart this bathroom. They find the earring behind the behind the the vanity. Detective Woody holds up. He's like, "Okay, great, but how is this helpful? Like, if the killer had taken this and pawned it, I'd have a clue, something to track down. But we've just like we've just found a missing earring. This isn't helpful." And Rhodes is just sitting on the bathroom floor, being like, "Oh yeah, I, don't, I guess I didn't know why we needed to find it, but we did, huh?" <laughs> it's true it's true it it did feel like a scene that was like you could just cut out of the episode because it doesn't matter at all this earring's not going to become important at all i mean really what it is is Rhodes is just like well it proves her visions are real and i was just like but that was never i don't think that was ever in question like the detective's already taking you at your word like what is finding this ear like i just really like the detective was just like this is useless to us why did you make us do this and he's just like uh, i don't know well, don't they also show the that the killer is taking um, uh, souvenirs, right? Because he takes, like, the bracelet, I think, from the nurse, and he takes a few other things. And I guess there's probably an earring in there, but I, don't know. I guess he just it, didn't need both. It never came up again, so I don't know what it ma- what it mattered. Yeah. The important part is, uh, again, uh, Dr. Michael sucks. Yeah, he wasted a whole bunch of time, and uh, well, at least we had <laughs> Detective Woody there to be like, well, bad job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I like this detective so much. That's why he would have been so useful the entire time. No, you're absolutely right. It would have made it for a better show to have that. And again, even just um, this show to keep uh, uh, some sort of momentum and have people be able to have conversations without, I don't know, having to cut to like a newscast of a guy being, guy filling in the narrative for you. It's like, that's not the best way to do it. And it's literally what we cut to is the news reporter being like, hey, that uh, blind lady, she also sensed uh, nurses murder today. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Uh, thanks for tuning in to the news two hours after that happened. 
there's a scene i don't know if it's next or it's uh it's it's a few scenes later but it's it's because this happens like multiple times where the uh the police detective and uh dr michael go to talk to the eye doctor and they always have this very contentious sort of like argument about about things and the doctor's very just worried about the patient and they're going on and on and um and he's just like you guys are still trying to solve this case of this murder and like i get it it's a serial killer he's like a nurse someone I worked with and I cared about just died and you guys don't care at all because you're trying to serve this other case which now is creating more murders and they're like and the detective's like no no don't worry we're, we're, we're working on that too <laughs> don't worry about it don't worry about it I was like okay guys I don't know about that that was very funny as well um, but this yeah. news report about the murdered nurse and Kathy seeing that also catches the killer's attention he's always at home in time to watch the news and see what's going on <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what his job is because he, he impersonates a lot of people. But we don't know what he actually does for a living. But the news report comes on and the, the killer's like, well, I guess I got to get back in there and murder that Catholic lady. He, she's seen me commit two murders now. And he calls the hospital posing as a flower delivery person. And the nurse on the phone just like, who, Kathy? Oh, we discharged her earlier. She's gone home. And he's like, cool, thanks. Uh, can you give me the address of her home? And they're like, no problem. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, it's pretty easy to be a killer, huh? You just, like, fake something, and they just like, yeah, we can give you all the information you need. Absolutely. This leads us to Rhodes going back to see Kathy. Now she's she's gone back home, which I assume is Tom Bosley's home. <laughs> Tom Bosley's there. It's a house in the suburbs. And um, over Tom Bosley's objections, Kathy has decided to finally agree to Rhodes' request to uh, enter a receptive ESP state to uh, look into the murder, or as Rhodes puts it, uh, quote, let your mind swing free. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm glad you wrote down what it was actually called, because I just wrote psychic thing. He's got yeah, a yeah. psychic thing with her. I just like, he's just like, are you ready to let your mind swing free? I'm like, sure. Okay, Rhodes. <laughs> and has he done this with someone before in this sense? Yeah, I he's done he did, this right? before. Yeah, yeah, he did it. I think in the Shatner episode too. He like he's not. Uh, he right. like kind of puts you in a semi trance and you kind of go back. Maybe even the first episode. Yeah, this is pretty common, I think. Um, but she, yeah. he puts her in the trance, and I'm like, all right. So Rhodes is going to help her revisit the crime and see if he gets a good view of the killer's face. No, uh, that's not what he's doing. And I don't think he told her this, but he's like, when she's in a trance, he's like, all right. Now I want you to look into the future. To catch a glimpse of when the killer murders you in a few hours and see if you see his face. I was like, what? What was that, Rhodes? You're putting this woman in a trance, sending her to her own murder a couple hours in the future? It was wonderful because it has my favorite moment of both episodes. And I know this is not exactly what they intended, but here's how I read it. So he shows her this horrific thing, which is what she sees. She her sees own herself murder. Married. Yeah, she's getting drowned, like strangled underwater by this guy. She's so distraught, she breaks out of her um, well, psychic she still thing. doesn't see his face even in the vision it's it's all for yeah. nothing <laughs> right because she's just getting murdered then she breaks she breaks out of her psychic trance and runs into a wall and like like i took it i know this is not how they intended it but like a cartoon character she's she, she has knocked the sight out of her head and she can't see anymore and it was exactly what the doctor warned which was if you do all this stuff like this, this surgery is not going to take and it absolutely doesn't. And she's blind again. Yeah, that's basically it. Rhodes forces her into another vision. I do not. He did not say anything about showing her her own murder that he knows is going to happen to her in a couple hours, forces her to see that she goes blind, doesn't see the killer's face. It's all for naught. Like, it, I'm just like, is this episode about how Rhodes's methods are bad? Because it ends up not being there. Like when they see that eye doctor, they're like, well, it's nothing physical. So technically the eyes work. It's just a mental issue. So it's just like, you know, they're already waving away how it's not Rhodes's fault. But I'll make one correction. He doesn't say it's a mental issue, though. You know what he actually says? He's like, uh, it's not physical. He says she's just being hysterical. That's true. He does. <laughs> he doesn't mention hysterics. Doesn't he? <laughs> and it made me laugh. I was like, uh-huh. OK, doctor. Anyway, I mean... What could have been a good episode would have been Rhodes <laughs> blinding a woman because of his own, like, one-sided view of, like, ESP. But it's not what this is about. At any rate, Kathy's returned to the hospital because she's blind again. It's very—there's a quick scene where they're taking her back to the hospital. And Tom Bosley is so stoked that she's blind again because now uh, she needs him. So, uh, like, the relationship's back on. Yeah, is exactly right. And Rhodes goes to see Kathy, and Kathy's just like immediately forgives him. She's like, "Not your fault. Don't worry about it, Rhodes. You can do no wrong." 
and Rhodes goes to yeah there's this whole thing you know it's all stuff the Rhodes goes to see that her eye doctor again it, also a nice scene where the eye doctor is like I'm throwing you to the hospital you have to leave get in your <laughs> convertible and go you're not welcome here yeah and I actually found this was about where I think the episode could have started to be interesting if they had sort of just given us in some a scene or two all the sort of back history and now here we are because this is about where things start getting interesting because Michael's been thrown out of the hospital. The woman is blind again. She sort of is, for lack of a better term, a little bit helpless. The murderer is coming to get her clearly, and she doesn't seem to have um, the abilities to ward him off. And I thought, okay, there's something kind of interesting here. And I actually checked the time on this, and there was nine minutes left in the episode. Mm-mm-mm. Before this episode started, Jordan, you said you watched a movie about a blind woman being menaced by people. Uh, is that what you wanted? You just wanted this that movie to be this episode? Well, well you know what? I mean, it's funny. I did watch that. But there's there's a better version, which is, you know the Audrey Hepburn Wait Until Dark mm-hmm, the episode mm-hmm. where she... Uh, the, 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 that's, a, that's a better movie, and obviously this is not going to be that. But I think there is room to play with something something here um not that she necessarily had to be blind but the idea of her going against this person i think there was something interesting and her trying to solve a case at the same time i just i I just for whatever reason it's just every time dr michael's involved i'm just like i just like get him out of the show he just doesn't help (laughs) but you're right she's back at the hospital the killer returns to finally kill kathy except that the last time we saw the killer he was told that she had been discharged and got her home address so how does he know to come back? I just was like, we're missing scenes where he go. I guess he went to the home. She wasn't there. Tom Bosley was like, oh, I took her back to the hospital early. Like, <laughs> I was just like, the last time we saw him, he was told she wasn't here. So how is how does he know? I It's fine. Whatever. I get it. It's just like a, a weird problem with the episode. But I was just like, I was saying, everything like, why did we have any scenes in this episode? That's true. I actually never thought about that. There should have been one, at least one scene where he showed up as like a flower delivery guy or something. And then Bosley is like, oh, no, she had to go back to the hospital. And he's like, interesting. What room would that have been? He's like, 432, like something like that, you know, real yeah. quick scene. But or or maybe he just watched on the on hard copy and the guy's like, she's back in the hospital. It's like, ah, oh, I've got all these plans. I was going to drive over there. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, he uh, he dresses up as an orderly. He uh, goes down to the aquatic rehabilitation room and, like, starts running a bath because he's planning to... He's like, well, set up the bath I'll drown her in later. I was just like, this is such a complicated plan already. But okay, sure, you're running a bath. Goes up to her room, knocks out the cop that's at her door. And when he goes inside to grab her, like, Kathy fights back and um, manages to, like overpower him for a second and she she runs off out of the room but she's she's blind so she like goes down a staircase and just is wandering around blindly calling for help there's apparently no one in this hospital and she just happens to accidentally on her own on a completely different floor walk into the aquatic rehabilitation room where the murder bath's being drawn (laughs) yeah it was unfortunate for her that it's right at the bottom of the stairs and so, because we see her, we see her going through hallways, and she like could pick any door, and she picks that one. I think they try to be like, "Oh, she hears water running, so that's the one she goes to." I'm like, she literally saw herself being drowned. She would never walk into that room. Anyway, she goes yeah. in there. There's like the killer like bumps into another orderly and has to fight him for some reason just to kill time. And then like the killer gets in there, he's like, oh, "I'm glad you came to my murder room on your own. How convenient for me." And he starts to drown her. Yeah, and. Well, this has been going on, Rhodes has been driving home in his convertible and uh, he starts having like his own ESP flashes of like her being menaced by the killer. So he like turns around, drives back to the hospital, runs up to her uh, hospital room. She's not there. He picks up her sunglasses, <laughs> immediately has a vision of bubbling water and then turns to the eye doctor and says, is there any bubbling water in this hospital? And he's just like, I don't know, down in the hot tubs in the aquatic therapy room. And he's like, great, I'll be right back. <laughs> Dr. Rose runs down there and just punches the killer in the face and, like, problem solved. I know. It's it's the most anticlimactic thing ever. He's just like, where's water? Downstairs? Where does punch the guy? He's like, all right. <sighs> solve the day. You're like, what? That was it? That's it. That's all that. And then, yeah, you're right. There's, like, a, there's like a little uh, a tag on the end where uh, Kathy's vision has come back. It's okay. The Rose didn't do any permanent damage. And she's like, well, I'm going off on my own solo vacation. And Tom Bosley's like, I support this. Good for you. And I'm like, I guess <laughs> yeah. I don't know what this means. Implying that maybe they've had a conversation where she's like, listen, Bosley, 
you're a nice guy, but you're a little old for me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I did like my favorite tag at the end, though. The, the real thing I wanted to see is uh, Doc, Detective Woody and Dr. Rhodes are walking away like like cops at the end of the episode. And they're like, hey, mm-hmm. you want to go fishing? And he's like, I would. Let's go fishing. <laughs> I was like, well, let's see these two go fishing now. <laughs> and that and that's it. That's how they end the series. Yeah, I mean... I, who knows? I, I'm sure there was no specific order. This was just a run, and it was just like the end of a random episode. It was too bad. Like in some ways, it was too bad because I'm like, maybe there's more episodes of Detective Woody because I'm like, it's a better show when he's there, but he's not used mm-hmm. enough to make it work. It was the one thing I'm just like, this Detective Woody, he's really he's really working for me. But yeah, weird weird ending, weird ending to the show. Maybe when someone uh, grabs his IP, Netflix will want to do to remake this show, and they'll just. They'll add him in as a major character. No, perfect, perfect. Fingers crossed, Jordan. (laughs) No, no one's going to make this show again. Well, I don't know, Jordan. Any final notes before we get into ratings? I mean, I think I've crapped on it enough. I always feel a little bit bad when I'm like, because I know how hard everyone's working on the show, and I was trying to make a bad show, and this show isn't so much it's bad. It's just that something's not working, and it's, it's almost like, it's like seeing a piece of machinery where something's loose and that loose thing just causes like a belt to get loose and then the belt causes something else to shake and then there's something else shakes you know shoots out a sprocket that's how i feel about the show it's like one thing just snowballs into another and you get like a really bland show because just the idea doesn't really work very well i think the major problem is i don't think the idea of dr michael as this psyching investigator works as it is and maybe you're right maybe adding a a detective would have made it better or maybe i don't know changing the way he approached cases would have made it better but there's just something about this whole show where i was just like "Eh, it just doesn't work for me no you're not wrong i think we have pinpointed that Rhodes is the key to the problem for whatever reason He's not working. He's not working in his current form, and it really holds the episodes back. It makes the episodes worse every time. Yeah, it really does. But and that's a pretty good segue to uh, season two, episode eleven, "Gallows in the Wind." How'd you feel about this one? I liked the setting. I liked the idea of them being in a hurricane. I thought that was like a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, trapped in a hurricane, psychics, you're all gonna die. Like that stuff's all good. I know the visions. You know, I, I understand you were bored of them. I, they went on too long. I don't mm-hmm. disagree. But I thought visually they were some of the most dynamic stuff this show has shot. I liked the way they looked. I liked the people rising from the watery graves. I think the very con- the concept of the vision of like the executioner is hidden, and they're all threatened by one character, but they don't know who that character is. I think that's good in theory. It doesn't end up being good in practice because they reveal it too soon and like. They reveal to the audience too soon, but not the characters. Mm. So it, it ends up being a bit of a mess. I'm, I'm going to go 5.5, I think. Interesting. I was irritated at this episode taking out time out of uh, the finite amount that I have in my life. Um, I found it excruciatingly boring, especially for an episode this late in the run. 1.5 out of 10. 1.5 out of 10. Wow. Yeah. Hated it. Wow, that's a real, it's a real coup there. <laughs> well, you know, just I'm just like I'm. It's it's too. You guys had had dozens of episodes to fix this show. It's too late. It's too late to be this bad this later on. Bring me back an episode where Michael, uh, where uh, Gary Collins is telling me about the show. I don't want to see him not solve a mur- murder again. One one point five. All right. What about the eyes that wouldn't die? Then slightly better episode. But again, to finish this episode, I just I think it's just like it's a cumulative thing for me. I can't go higher than a two and a half. 2.5 it's funny i actually think this is a much worse episode than the last one uh, do you think so oh yeah 100 percent. it's this one's a sloppy mess of nothing you think hold on you think that the fact that the image of the executioner was that the guy it was a bad idea to go to a house that was the reveal yeah it's good that's the whole episode that's what we're waiting for yeah. oh it's not good it's bad it's, it's bad. fine that's totally fine <laughs> it doesn't it's, it doesn't work at all it's bad if I imagine you're reading this as a novel, if I was reading this as a book and that was the ending, I would take that book and throw it in the fire. I'd be so irritated. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a short story, Jordan. Get real. <laughs> Even so. <laughs> Small fire. No, I just think this one doesn't work as well. Like, uh, you know, we pointed out some of the, like the eye thing is a bit weird. Like it's not quite how that sister situation would work. I mean, I like that there's this like they there's this idea that Rhodes cost to her vision, but there's no there's no consequences. Everyone just forgives him. Like it's just like that would have been a better episode if he got like he blinded someone in his pursuit. That doesn't really happen. I like this detective they introduced. I thought he was an interesting character. Also, barely utilized. It, it led to some funny scenes, but not on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like it was all accidental. Like it had some like 
good ideas, none of them well executed. I did find some of it funny, though. So funny that the news, for some reason, is reporting on this two hours after it happened. A psychic vision. Insane. Uh, him him finding the, the ring and the doctor being like, well, this is not helpful. You wasted everyone's time. We tear up with the stair bathroom. <laughs> like, those are very funny, but unintentionally. I like the weird stuff with Tom Bosley, too. Like, the fact that she gets her vision back, she's like, I think this man groomed me from when I was 17. I was like, that's interesting, but also just, like, uh, something that's just touched on but not gone into very much. I, hmm. So I'm going to give it, like, a four, I think. I'm giving it a little bit better than maybe it deserves, but I'm going to go four. It's a little interesting because, yeah, I, I just thought it was, like... I, I thought there was more meat in this episode. I don't disagree with you that it's a mess, but I think they're all a mess. But at least it wasn't the same vision 45 times. That's all the last episode. The last episode could have been a four-minute episode. Fair enough, fair enough. It was the same vision. You know, so it's just like, I, yeah, like, was it were they were they visually interesting at the cemetery? I guess so, but it was not a music video. It's an episode of television. Like, come on now. <laughs> well, we, we had different views on that one, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But what's our what's our final ranking on this show? Do we know? Let me type type it into the computer and let's find out. All right, Jordan, the final series average for the Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess? Oh, I think it's probably about like a. I'm gonna say five point four nine. No, oh, not too far off, really. Five point zero three. It's almost a perfect five. Almost a perfect five out of ten. Now, how, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's what this show is? Like we always, you know, say at the end, would you recommend this to someone? Do you think this is a straight out the middle five out of ten show? In some ways, yes. I think this is a perfect five, a perfect five <laughs> of a show. <laughs> you might be right. I think I think it is is probably somewhere in there. Now, I I think there is probably um, uh, how much it you kind of like this sort of thing. I think this probably leans more of a, a show you are a little more forgiving of than I am. I just am like give me something give me something interesting a mystery and i feel like the mystery is like second it's 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 not as important to the viewers as like explaining that like esp is a thing i'm like okay great let's just do it i'm already tuning in you don't need to explain it to me any more times and it just felt like i don't know they're always trying to convince me of like how important esp is where i'm like i just want to see an interesting case you know yeah fair enough i mean yeah i don't think i'd recommend it i think like it's i think there's a reason it's a perfect five it's got some good ideas but mostly they're poorly executed so it just ends up like there's some stuff to enjoy but mostly you're going to be disappointed and it's perfect five i mean and jordan you're you're implying that i liked it so much more than you we have a 0.2 <laughs> difference between us and our <laughs> like almost identical i think it's i think it's just you're kinder to it i think is what it is <laughs> you uh you gave it some you gave it some sevens jordan you loved it i know the, the last two episodes i liked the ones without michael i liked I gave the show one seven during the entire run. You gave two sevens and a 7.5. Hey, there you go. Really, just these last two episodes are what drove it down for you. Hmm. It's too late. You can't have an episode where it's just uh, someone just uh, the executioner. He brought us to the wrong house. <laughs> what a waste of an hour. <laughs> you want you want a blind lady running around. Well, it should have been that he, he is trying to kill them or something like that, you know. And why do all this time, invest all this time of him and his son's bad relationship? Anyways, I could go on. <laughs> you're ready to go. You're, you're, riot, you're revved up. <laughs> now, now that we've talked about it for an hour, let me really tell you my thoughts. Well, that about wraps it up, I think, for The Sixth Sense. I think we're all done here. We uh, yeah. both uh, not recommend, but uh, we I had a nice time. I'm glad it's over, but I had a nice time. I will say that, though. Uh, no, but I'm, I'm glad we watched it, though. It's, it's an interesting uh, timestamp of this time period. Uh, not only the style of storytelling, but the tone of the show and the the themes and topics of the show. Like we've seen, we've said it before. Like this idea of like paranormal investigation or ESP or these sort of uh, psychic uh, phenomenons. These, these seem to be in the in the zeitgeist at this time and and in these TV shows because there's been quite a few that we've seen. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And you know what, listener. The good times don't have to end. That's true. You can force us back to more Sixth Sense with bonus episodes for charity. Uh, you know, with uh, these best of runs, we're missing a whole bunch of episodes like the ones we talked about earlier. You can make us watch the one where the politicians targeted by psychic assassin. <laughs> It'll be boring, I guarantee. Or there's some episodes of uh, the, or some shows we watch where we take the escape pod. So we, we just we skip up before it's over because the rating falls too low. But, you know, maybe somewhere in that mix, there's an episode... 
you love or an episode you just you're curious about but you don't want to watch it and you're like hey go back and watch this and just report back please uh you can get that done by a continuum drag with a bonus episode by donating to a list of charities on our website all picked by past guests you donate to one of those episodes one of those charities let us know send us the receipt and we'll go back and do watch an episode of your choosing from uh, something we've skipped out on uh, get all the details continuum drag.podbean.com's the uh website so you go there you can read about you know suggested minimums how to get in contact with us i've got a list of the episodes we haven't watched on there it's all on there so check it on the website or you can always email us continue drag at gmail.com if you have any questions or want to follow up with us on any information about that or any of the shows we've ever watched i, don't, I mean i don't know what information we can provide you but uh, you can try you can try to email us and i can try to answer i have no i have no answers though they're like tell me more about sliders you're like no no i can't <laughs> Not unless you buy a bonus of the charity. But that's uh, that's about it. So you know what? Go to our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook. At Continuum Drags the handle there. You'll see clips from these final two episodes of The Sixth Sense. Uh, psychic visions, uh, hurricanes, that kind of stuff. People coming through watery graves. Oh, someone's definitely going to get crushed to death by a wall. <laughs> Listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes. <laughs>